We're back, episode seven, Clinch Perfect. Um, I'm Ben, I'm here with Tom. Tom, how are you doing? I'm great, mate. I just come back from a run. A bit hot and sweaty, but it's good. We move. I also went for a run earlier for the first time in like a month, as I told you. Are we you. telling and, fitness um, freaks like, what is going on? <laughs> I'm, I'm not feeling good right now. I literally, when it, when it got cold, I stopped going for runs. And then I, I went about a month ago because I thought, oh, I, I probably should. I shouldn't use the cold weather as an excuse. And then... Uh, that was the one, the one time. And uh, it was warm-ish today, so I thought I'd get back to it. And uh, my legs are killing me while we're sitting here right now. I was supposed to be talking into a lovely new microphone today so that the sound quality would be much better. But um, Amazon Prime does not have one day shipping, apparently, because I live in the countryside and fuck Jeff Bezos. That's pretty much it. Um, we'll get started, though. We're going to quickly go through last week's card before we talk about the big one, UFC 259 this weekend. Um, Gan Rosenstrike, obviously a lot of moaning about um, the main event there being a bit boring, but I know you're going to leap to Cyril Gan's defense here. Um, it was an impressive performance, despite everyone being disappointed by the overall show. Yeah, I think people have got to realize that, like, Rosenstrike, as, as much as everyone, well, glorifies his kickboxing experience, he's predominantly known in the UFC for being a one punch power knockout artist and I thought Garn played the smart game of like taking him out of his comfort zone and just outclassing him in a chess match I really enjoyed it I mean I must admit when it was, the entire card itself sucked like probably up there with one of the worst cards of the year I'd say but I just I don't know like uh, barring the Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera fight I was kind of like oh here we go it's going to be like some form of viral KO but then the more the fight grew on I kind of came to appreciate how easy Garn made it look like Rosenstroke was missing with pretty much everything he threw. Garn was controlling the distance, um, using the jab really well, coming into range, popping some shots and, and darting back out. And I think he sort of, for someone who's only had like eight pro fights, the, the levels that he's taken are just ridiculous. Like he's come on so quickly. And I think it's a bit harsh to like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm one of them. I, I mean, I love a viral knockout. Who doesn't? But, Sometimes you got to appreciate the beauty of the game, and it is all about keeping your your record intact and, and keeping momentum. And like he played, he played the smart game. Like I think you got to give the guy credit. He completely outclassed a guy who is a dangerous knockout artist and looked good doing it. Like I don't think you could criticize Garn's game plan at all. Maybe except for the fact he didn't get a finish. But it's the heavyweight game. Like you got to protect yourself for the bigger fights. Onwards and upwards, it's another victory, another step towards maybe a title shot in the future. Like, I mean, who wouldn't want yeah, to see? Yeah, I mean, I think Garn I was listening to another Garn. podcast as well that said, um, in a month, no one's going to look back and go, Oh, that was a boring fight. They're going to look at the record and go, Oh, he's what is he, 9 0 now? Um, maybe not a month, but you know, down the road when he's next fighting, no one's going to care that his last fight was, you know, if he has three, four more boring fights in a row, then sure, people are going to, you know, be like, Well, this guy's not even, you know, who cares if he has a good record? He's not worth the star power. Even, even you've just said it there, like, look at his. Previous, how many, what, three, four fights in the UFC? I yeah, mean, he beat the fuck out of Dante. Uh, made Tanner Bowser look like a bomb. Like, him right at the end. Yeah, he made Tanner Bowser look slow, which is ridiculous. Yeah, like, um, you got to give the guy credit, man. Like, him and Fernand Lopez, they're doing bits over in MMA Factory. And, like, France, fr- French MMA is sort of like in, the, in where British MMA was, like, in the early 2000s. Like, it, it's growing. It's getting there. It just needs to start. And gone for me, is that starlight. He's, I don't know if you've seen it, but he was on a Netflix TV show in, in France, which is like, I think he played a copy as a, a cameo or something. It's really funny, man. Like, he's, 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 he's following like, the Bisping Road, doing doing little cameos <laughs> in movies and TV <laughs> like that. Waiting for the Vin Diesel movie. Um, yeah. No, like, I, I don't know. I, just, I, I think the, 
Virol on, on on social media was a bit harsh considering like his track record. Like Garn's never been in a boring fight. And I personally, I mean, all right, casuals may disagree, but like as a purist, I just love the technicality of what he was doing. Like you don't see a, a heavyweight move like a middleweight. It's like the old adage says, like yeah, Tyson Fury moves fast. like a middleweight. Like he is so quick on his feet and so light. And for a guy whose background is literally basketball and football, that's absolutely mind blowing. Like, I, I can't get over it. He's made the transition so quickly and he's made it look so easy. And I think, and also again, he's just such a nice guy. Like in the press conference, he was very respectful. Like the respect between him and Rosenstrike was so apparent building up to the actual fight. Like it kind of, I don't know, it kind of got me back to like the old glory days of, um, of kickboxing when two fighters would be like really humble and really respectful in the, in the build up and then put on a show. And all right, maybe didn't have the fireworks, but I can't blame Garn for that. I've got to blame the Rosenstruck game plan, which is bizarre when you consider he trains at ATT. Like, it, well, I think I, the game the game plan itself seemed fine, but then he didn't he didn't pre, like he didn't implement. press on to yeah. the next the next part of the game plan. Like the first part of the game plan was don't get killed by Garn. Well, I was about to say going in, the, going in the octagon. Yeah, the <laughs> second part of the game plan was explode when you get the chance, and he saw we saw a few like tiny glimpses of that explosion, but like it wasn't enough, and it's annoying because the the couple little explosions he did have. Garn did look, you know, not in danger because, like you said, it was an almost flawless performance from him. But you could see that that explosiveness was there and that the threat was there. But he only did it like twice. And even then, he didn't follow up on it. It was just like a couple strikes and then he backed up again. So I think, you know, it was less of a game plan thing. And, you know, I don't know whether um, getting destroyed by Francis was still playing on his mind, but it just seemed like he was like not even cautious. A little, I was going to say a little cautious. That's not doing it justice. Waiting to pull the insanely trigger. Insanely yeah. cautious. Yeah. Um, Come like event time was also a pretty slow fight, um, but I think more enjoyable for most people. Like it was it was quite you know impressive technical performance from Ankalaev, showing that he's not just going to go in there and kill everyone with insane front kicks and and classy boxing. You know he can he can grapple too, and against Krilov, a guy who can grapple up there with the best of them, it was a pretty dominant performance. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the one thing I would add though is I think we can call the the hype train breaks a little bit. Like I, I would expect a title contender maybe not, not maybe not necessarily to finish Krilov but like I don't know like Ankalaev has always been seen as like this Habib of the like heavyweight division right like he, he's been seen as like the dark horse in the division um, I mean known for his ridiculous power but also his wrestling and I, I there's just something about that fight that for me was missing that like wow factor and if you're trying to make yourself a contender you need to be beating guys like Krilov like comfortably I think it was quite impressive, though, that he, he lost the first round. I just said he dominated two minutes ago, but he lost the first <laughs> round and then he came back and dominated the second two rounds, which for me, that was kind of a little bit like something I wanted to see from a guy like him who we've watched him go in there and destroy people in 30 seconds or, you know, however he beat um, Kutalaba and um, twice. But, um, you know, to see him get taken into deep waters a little bit and lose a round and then after that first five minutes adjust and win the fight, um, I think was probably a good thing to look at as well. Um, yeah, I just think like, in terms next matchups. I just sorry, I was just saying well, yeah, in, in terms on. of um, like future opponents. It, I would be if I was a future opponent of Vankalad, I would be less overruled. Like you've seen him beat by Paul Felder, uh, Paul Felder, Paul Craig. That'd be <laughs> a hell of a fight. He lost. He lost a round, obviously against Krilov. Like the fear factor for me is kind of gone. Which sounds crazy because obviously he's got like ridiculous power. But if I'm someone like Krilov Arakic, did, kind of show a path to victory yeah, in that first round. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, and if I'm someone like Arakic or like even Thiago Santos, both of whom are fighting this weekend, like I, I'd see Chinkson as armor. And like, mm-hmm. I think he's still got a lot of things to work on before we can legitimately say, oh, he's a top contender. I, I think he's still got to 
piece together some of the and iron out some of the creases, so to speak, in his defense. In terms of the future matchups, well, you go ahead, mate. I'm gonna get the rankings up now. Give yeah, I, well, I was just trying to usher us along because we got a lot to talk about today with, <laughs> uh, with 259 this weekend, and uh, we don't want to spend too long on the, the most boring card of all time. Um, I was looking, I was looking on the uh, rankings, and pretty much the only two people in front of him without a fight are Glover Teixeira, who is obviously not going to fight because Glover is probably next in line for the belt, and um, Volkan Ustamir, who just had his chin destroyed by uh, Jiri Pohaska. Um, do you think cool, Volkan, do, you think, do you think that could be a decent fight? I, I feel like that's. I feel like that's just going to be the same thing as a Jiri fight, and Volkan's just going to get destroyed. But you know, Volkan has um, you know shown he can do it with the best of them. And like you just said, there are holes in, in Ankalaev's game that we maybe didn't see before when he was just smacking people up inside a minute. Yeah, I think he'd be competitive. But I, I think you're right. I think there are, well, maybe not questions about Volkov's chin, but I mean, if you look at his record in the UFC, five and four, get ranked six, it's kind of a bit like, well, you got to beat, yeah, I mean, you're not necessarily the gatekeeper to the top five, but you are there or thereabouts. So you got to beat these guys coming up. Like, as you'd say, like him going and fighting like an OSP wouldn't make much sense considering his position in the rankings. So he's got to look up the mm. table. And yeah, as you say, like what has Sarah got to to gain from fighting someone like an Ankalaev? I think Ankalaev is probably just gonna have to wait. To be honest, if, if he's not gonna fight Volkan, he's gonna have to wait for some of the other fights in front of him to for that yeah, time I mean, to sort the, out. The winner or loser of um, Rakic Santos for me is the one that stands out. Like, I think that's kind of like a fun. I think stylistically, those two matchups would be really interesting on the feet, just because like the power that Santos has, and then also like the power that Rakic has. It'd be interesting to see like Ankalaev face someone who's got like legitimate one punch power. Yeah, I agree. Um, also had Pedro Munoz absolutely destroying Jimmy Rivera's calf. Um, you mean the only good fight on the card? <laughs> yep, uh, absolute banger of a fight, and probably the only fight that was worth watching on the entire card. That's a little harsh, but um. <laughs> Un- unbelievable fight just like the first fight was between these two um, you know like the guys were joking on commentary that like, let's have them fight again um, amazing performance from Munoz he was a slight underdog going into that which um, is quite surprising to me to be honest but amazing fight utilised the calf kicks about as well as we've seen anyone do it you know there's always it seems like there's always one fight on every card where calf kicks are like the main topic of discussion afterwards I've actually seen quite a few people this week saying should should calf kicks be banned? Shut the fuck oh, up. No. Um, <laughs> we're not even entertaining that discussion. No, we're, we're not even. We'll move on. Um, Alex Caceres and Kevin Kroom. I've put in the notes here. Put on the biggest shit fest of a third round I've ever seen. Um, Kevin Kroom was literally dying of exhaustion for the entire third round. How Alex Caceres did not finish that fight, I have no idea. Tiago Moises, really impressive performance against um, Alex Hernandez. Pretty funny, Hernandez thinking he won that fight. I think everyone had a good laugh at that afterwards. He uh, was super salty in the octagon and then went to Instagram and took his salt there as well. I I don't think he won a single round. I agreed with the 30-27, to be honest. Mate, I'm in a wholehearted agreement. Like, so it's just, the thing that really frustrates me with Alex Hernandez is he's clearly got elements to his game that are really good. And then he's also clearly got elements to his personality in his game that are maybe not quite as good. And that came to fruition. I think on Saturday, like it, it just didn't work out for him. Like it was sort of like trying to be like the TJ of the division, like that crouching kind of. I don't know. Just for me, it felt like he was playing out of his own skin, which was a bit crouching weird. tiger, hidden douche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 
on the Moises side of things, I, I really like Moises. I feel like he's super underrated. Like I, I call him on Twitter, I call him a mini Luke. He kind of reminds me of Luke in terms of he's got that really technical boxing. Um, you know, he, he can kill you with leg kicks. He's got a hell of a chin. And if you take him into the grappling department, he's, you know, probably strong, as strong as any opponent he's going to face or stronger there. Um, I feel like he's like the mini Luke. Oh, and maybe not getting as much hype as he deserves. Because like, yeah, his striking looks so technical and so clean, and they referred to it several times on, bro- on the broadcast how good his um, how good his striking defense was. Like Hernandez never really troubled him, even even when he rushed forward and landed flurries, they were landing like they were half landing or getting blocked. Um, you know, there wasn't anything fight. clean. I know, I know, it's already booked, but like I know it's already booked, but Brad Riddell versus Moses would be flames on the feet. Yeah, if if Moises didn't didn't ruin it all for us and just try and grapple, uh, which he he definitely could do, even though um, you know those city kickboxing boys they know how to uh, how to keep a fight standing. We'll uh, we'll keep moving along so we don't spend too much time on this card. Like I said, last thing we need to talk about Ronnie Lawrence. This kid is legit. Like he absolutely destroyed Vince Cachero. And Vince Cachero, but you know he put up a fight. Like he's tough. And I mean the ref should have stopped it like twenty strikes earlier than he did on the ground and pound off for the finish, but. Uh, just incredible performance from Ronnie Lawrence. And I've actually picked out a banging fight from uh, another recent impressive young winner for uh, for his next fight. You know, the thing for me was less the fight and more his post-match, inter- uh, post-match interview in the press conference where he was saying how, I think he was asked, like, oh, what did you make of your own performance? And he was like, oh, I've still got elements to improve. And that to me was like, right. It was like, it's shit. He, yeah. was, he was so funny. They were like, oh, so, so amazing. Was it Felder was interviewing? It was like, oh, yeah. me and me and Bisping were so amazed. Like, what a great performance. And he was just like, it sucked. Like, he, and, was, that, so, he was so disappointed. That kind of thing will set you up so well. Like, he did the same on, uh, on Contender Series. He did the exact same thing. You've got to have that mindset of wanting to be better. Like, it's something that or, or top coaches will just drill into these fighters. Like, critique yourself all the time because the more you critique yourself the better adjusting to situations you will be and i i, I gotta take my half to him like magic on the mic and well magic in the cage really really impressed and my, my next fight for him is uh ode osborne who just destroyed is it drum rivera in oh that's a banger that, that is a, a banger crazy fight because we didn't really get to see it because osborne knocked um rivera out so quickly but osborne fights a little crazy like he's a, he's a wild guy and you know, you know Lawrence would be down for a scrap like that. Yeah, wait, I, I agree. That's a banger of a fight. Get a book. Sean Shelby, we know you listen. Go on, get a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we move on to the to the big event this weekend, we got like some uh, some salt, some more salt to talk about after we talked about Alex Hernandez. We're gonna talk about Paulo Costa saying uh, the reason he lost to Adesanya was and I've not got the quotes here in front of me, but he basically said he felt like he was still a little drunk in the octagon because the night before he had had trouble sleeping and had taken an, um, a sleep aid, and that hadn't worked, I think he said. And then so he had some red wine and ended up having, like, half a bottle of red wine, which, you know, first of all, I'm sorry, if you're still drunk, like, 12 hours later from half a bottle of red wine, you're a bitch, first of all, <laughs> when you say that. So even if his story is true, like, dude, come on. <laughs> you're an absolutely, like, ripped beast who kills people for a living. <laughs> like, you can't handle half a bottle of red wine. And uh, second of all, it's just clearly bullshit. Um, it doesn't even make sense with the time scale of when he said it. I think um, Bisping talked about this on, on his uh, on his podcast, Believe You Me, that because of the, the time zones and when they fight in um, on Fight Island, it doesn't even make sense that he would have still been affected by it unless he drank like three bottles, which obviously he wouldn't, um, because of when they fight in early in the morning. It would have been the night before, the night before that he would have been drinking, worrying about getting to sleep because they fight so early in the morning. 
that has to be the worst excuse I've heard you know, in like any combat sport or sports in general in absolute years. I, I, I think... Is it worse else? than than Deontay Wilder's suit being too heavy? Yeah, I think so. I think it's complete. I think it's way worse because at least Deontay Wilder sort of tried to do something. Like <laughs> Paulo Costa got pieced up on his feet from start well, that's to finish. That's what he's saying. Like, he's saying he felt like he was like half asleep in there because he was still drunk. Which yeah, just, I don't know about you, but if, if I was a little if I was a little drunk, I'd be more up for a scrap. <laughs> I'd be more <laughs> likely to abandon the technical game plan yeah. and get yeah. in there and just throw heat. Yeah, or you know, like actually walk forward and do something. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, it honestly, it, it's a, it's disrespectful to the entire sport, like to come out and make such a bullshit excuse. Like it really, really ground my gears. And I, I think as well, like there's clearly something going on in his mind where he's like not come to terms with the defeat. Like Izzy summed it up perfectly in his interview with Ariel. He was like, he's got to accept that this skinny clown beat him, and that like unless he gets over that hurdle in his mind then he won't be able to make the improvements he needs no yeah. exactly like you're not going to be able to make the adjustments and, and improve as a fighter and it's I call just it like... Luke Rockhold syndrome <laughs> yeah we'll go with that that's, that, 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 that's it Luke well he's on he's on the notes he's on the notes for a positive happy reason so I thought I'd bring him down a little bit before we talk about him in a positive light yeah yeah should we, should we just get right in let's go let's go yeah um, for, for anyone who hasn't seen the video um, go on Twitter and look at just type in like Luke Rockhold or Bisping and uh Bisping showed up at um, the Ruka Training Centre where, um, you know, Mackenzie Dean was training with uh, Jason Brillo as well, who's uh, obviously Bisping's old coach. And, well, I guess he's still his coach, but he doesn't fight. And Luke Rockhold was there and they were all buddy-buddy, like, you know, joke, nudging and shoving each other and joking about Bisping stealing Rockhold's dog and shit like that. It was really weird, mainly because there's never been, even been any inkling until now that they had made, like, there was never like, oh, they've kind of, joke tweeted each other a few times and you could see it was kind of on the mend and now they're friends it was just like we've gone from assuming they still hate each other so oh, they're best buds you know i right i know i know you, we have differing opinions on this because we spoke about it before the broadcast but i loved it man like it to me that is the peak mma you, you set your differences inside the cage yeah there's this bullshit pr stunts and all this kind of stuff but at the end of the day like you fight for a living you got respect for these people like it was just really heartwarming bizarrely I'm, I'm one of those weird guys who likes them both like i really like bisping i mean bisping i'm a bisping fan since like well like early 2000s 2005 you're like, a, you're a bisping fan when everyone else hated bisping that's what yeah i think people forget no no one liked bisping when he was a fighter yeah he was like the the annoying brit that would just shit talk everyone and until he won the belt he hadn't really backed it up and then, yeah. uh, you know, he's completely transformed his personality personality into everyone, both sides of the pond, loving You just stop it up there, though, mate. This is literally it. They're just actors. Like, it's like Kobe. Like, we, we, we throw up so many examples of fighters who use, like, who build a persona, right? And that's literally what Rock Holden, because we did the paid sell fights. They sell fights. Like, what reason do they have to actually hate each other apart from the fact they both knock each other out? Like, <laughs> I'd prefer I'd prefer they just keep hating each other. It's more fun. I I, yeah, I like a good rivalry that just carries on forever. Um, obviously, you, seen, you love you some DC and, yeah, and Jones. Yeah, DC and Jones going back and forth this week, which um, is pretty funny because it's clear they both live rent free in each other's heads. Even though obviously Jones is what two and zero against DC, whether you count that one or not. Um, it's so funny to me that they clearly are both so irked by the other one and it'll just never stop. Like no matter what, there's no like fence to mend there. There's no bridge to build. Like there's just no chance. 
And um, I, I like that. I like to see more of that. And um, I was disappointed in my boy Bisping. <laughs> as, class, as wholesome and classy as it was, he's just ruined one of my favourite rivalries in the sport. So um, a little bit more news to talk about before we go into the card. Um, Hamzat Chemaev, obviously everyone's seen by this point, put on his Instagram that he like he put on his um, story, I think, that he was coughing up blood. And then he posted on his Instagram something that basically said, I'm retiring. He didn't actually say it, but it was like, you know, I've not achieved what I wanted to in the sport, but this is it for me kind of thing. And obviously Dana since come out, just like he did with Habib and been like, no, no, I'm going to talk to him. He's fine. It's just an emotional response. Um, nowhere in Dana's statement did I feel any sort of sentiment that he gave a shit about Hamzat's welfare or anything to do with him other than him making money. But that's a, another conversation for another day, I guess. Hopefully he's not retiring because obviously he's an absolutely, you know, absolute beast of a fighter. And if he, if he did retire, it would have one kind of cool element to it that would he be the biggest what if in MMA history? I mean, yeah. Uh, only a couple of months ago, people were saying, get him in there with Usman. Like that's how rapid his rise was, even though he's, he's fought two opponents with like negative, um, Stints in the UFC, so I've no, I'll have no John Phillips disrespect on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just like my, my thing. I, I, I personally am of the belief that I don't think he's retired. As in, I think he'll spend a spell on the sidelines, six months, something like that, just recover from COVID. But you got, I mean, my, my only gripe is if you're recovering from COVID, stop traveling, man. Like, stop going to places. <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, what's his name? Um, Kadyrov, the leader of Chechnya, said that. That's Shimai was going to go train there. He's going to he's going to bring him there to train there. So that's more traveling to places that I'm going to guess they don't have the uh, strictest the best coronavirus COVID, guidelines. Yeah, yeah. Got regulations going on in in Chechnya there. Um, so so I don't I'm, know. We'll look, I'm I'm convinced he's coming back though. Like, we'll look forward to Shimai being in the octagon next week and winning, <laughs> and then saying in his post fight interview, "Can you let my family go now, please?" Um, we got to talk about some of the confirmed matchups that have happened since our last episode before we talk about the big card this weekend. Um, I know here's one you're excited about, and maybe this will turn you into a bit of a better mate. Giga Chikadze against Cub Swanson. Uh, yeah, does anyone say a uh, uh, Cub submission? Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I think stylistically it's a great matchup, right? Like you got classic um, striker versus well, well-rounded mixed martial artist, and I think that's where the difference lies. Like Cub's very well-rounded mixed martial artist. You only have to. I know Con Gracie <laughs> isn't known for his striking. But you only have to look at what he did to that prospect to think about what he's going to do to Chikadze. And I think it's it's far more 50-50 than people are making out. Like I've seen some ridiculous takes on Twitter that are utterly disrespectful to what Cubs achieved in MMA. And I think we're in for a barn burner of a fight either way, whichever way the result goes. So I'm really looking forward to it personally. Yeah, I mean, Cub doesn't have boring fights, does he? he no, exactly. Even, even if maybe we think the hype train's a little exaggerated for, for what he's shown so far and who he's fought, um, he's a hell of a hell of a striker and definitely going to bring the fireworks. Um, Werner Jandidoba against Kanaka Morata, that's going to be a, a great yeah, delight. Mouthful. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I fucking nailed that. Um, <laughs> Tafan and Chukwe's back. Um, he beat uh, Jamie Pickett on his debut after destroying... I can't remember who on uh, Dana White's Contender Series. And I have a bone to pick with this fight. He's fighting Jun Yong Park, who just lay on top of John Phillips for 15 minutes in his last fight. This is a terrible fight for Nchukwi. It couldn't be a worse fight, in my opinion. Um, he's going to, I mean, he's got a couple minutes to knock this guy out. And if he doesn't, he's going to be gassed and on, on his back for the entire fight. Park will happily just do exactly what he did to Phillips, 
sit on top of him, ground and pound, you know, maybe attempt a few submissions, but I don't even think he'll really need to because Nchukwe is a hell of an athlete and probably going to be a great mixed martial artist, but he's not a great mixed martial artist yet. And we saw that in the picket fight where we were all expecting fireworks. I mean, we said before that fight, this is going to be a sick fight. Someone's going to get knocked out. And it was a little bit, you know, underwhelming. Good, yeah. um, if if Nchukwe not improved tenfold in the, in the time we've, since we've seen him in that fight, I think this is going to, this is a terrible fight and a terrible matchup for him, to be honest. See, my, my only issue is if you look at Nchukwe's record, he's already beaten William Knight, who is quite well-rounded, like decent, um, decent wrestler, fast hands. As you say, Park is predominantly a wrestler. So whether or not he's closed the gap enough, um, we'll have to find out. I just out. don't see, I mean, you can see his kickboxing is insane and his power. And his power, business. yeah. I mean, just I think, look at the guy. Just look at the fucking guy. I think it um, can kind of go... I'll go two ways, right? Like Park will either dominate him on the ground, or we could or get, get a, a sort insane of insane knockout. Yeah, we could get a, a mini version of the, of, uh, 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 yeah, a mini version of Derek Lewis um, putting Curtis Blaze into the shadow realm. Like that, that's kind of like. The... I don't think anyone's called um Nchukwe mini ever in his life, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I see your point. I I think he literally has two or three minutes to end this fight, and then his massive muscles will be gassed yeah, I mean, out. That's and the thing as well, isn't it? Like it's all very well like looking like a bodybuilder but you gotta have some grease to all, all, all those aching joints when you're when you've been grappled to fuck for like the next three rounds like that that, that is and his, his cardio's got to stand up as well he looked gassed at times against um Pickett so he's gonna have to work on that and Park kind of has a ridiculous engine so <laughs> Yeah, he threw, like, I think he set a, a record for um, ground strikes in that fight with Phillips. Um, next fight, Roxanne Modafferi against Talia Santos. That Again, that's the one I'm looking at and saying that's probably a bad matchup, but for Roxy this time, um, everyone knows she has that trend of winning two fights and losing two fights and winning two fights. She has lost her last two, so, you know, the Roxy, the law of Roxy would suggest she's going to win this one, but I don't, she ha- don't see how she wins that. Jimmy Flick versus Francisco, uh, Francisco Figueredo. That's an absolute barn of a fight, like we said before that before we started recording. There's no way that's not going to be fun. I think I'd probably lean towards Flick by submission. Um, don't know your thoughts yes, on that? Yeah, I mean, again, the UFC keep on making like some absolute bangers, don't they? Like we've just been through three of them, and this is this is one that for me. What cards it landed on? Do you know? I haven't got the dates written down on the notes, but um, either way, it could be fight of the night. Like stylistically, that's really really fun. Um, Fig, well, I say Fig, older Fig or Fig Senior, <laughs> looked pretty decent in his debut. Not, not, not necessarily like impressive, but he looked decent, solid. Flick, on the other hand, had an absolute banger of a debut. Like that submission was just awesome. The way he just latched onto it, and it was a candidate uh, for submission of the year. Yeah, yeah, he exactly. Was one of the so, four finalists lost yeah. out to uh, Lipsky's knee bar. Oh yeah. Ooh. Oh, oh, don't you giving me nightmares for the entire evening now? Um, <laughs> no, I, I think yeah. As I say, like stylistically, that's a really great matchup. And uh, it, again, it, like the one we're going on to next, like Gamrot versus Holt, Holtzman. Like I, I really like Scott Holtzman, but like I, I kind of like feel they're feeding him to Gamrot here. Like yeah, this, I mean, this to me feels like yeah, exactly what you just said. Get Gamrot back in the win column. He was undefeated. He came in with a lot of hype. 
And then, um, I mean, it was a fun fight with Kutaladze that a lot of people thought he won, but yeah, I mean, nonetheless, on age screen. Yeah, nonetheless, it was a loss on his record and he needs a win to get that hype back of the, you know, the superstar undefeated. And Holtzman's kind of no joke either. Like, he's had some pretty decent wins in the UFC. That's like, a good name to put on, on Gamrot's resume if he, if he wins. Yeah, I mean, well, look what's happened to Benil Darish. Yeah. And then finally, the last uh, matchup we wanted to talk about, obviously, Shane Burgos against Edson Barbosa. Barbosa coming back after originally over <laughs> leaving the UFC. What a fight that's going to be. I don't even want to analyze it because like, <laughs> you can't analyze Shane Burgos fights. They're always just insane in stupid ways. <laughs> but that is just going to be an absolute Fight of the year fight. contender, potentially. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, okay, moving on. UFC 259. How excited are we for the best card on paper? I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, the only one I can think of that compares is like 205, maybe. Mm-hmm. Just go, just thinking back, like, they've, they've got to do it, haven't they? Like, considering all the shit that boxing have pumped at us like, over the past couple of months, like, it's really refreshing to see three title fights. We've got three title fights, UK fans, and it isn't even a pay per view. Like, that is mind Like, BT, fair play. Well done. Like, big round of applause. Pick up yourselves. Like, I'm, I'm gassed, man. It's, it's it's fight nights like this that, or events like this that like you're excited to be an MMA fan. Like when you've got people like Izzy daring to be great. Like it, it, it make no mistake that Jan is probably arguably his toughest opponent on paper, considering that Polish power that he carries. I'd actually say he's a tough, way tougher test than. Well, as we've just discussed, his power is so big he knocked the douche out of Luke Rockhold. Yeah, exactly. And I'd argue he is a tougher test than Paulo Costa. Like you look at the people he's beaten, like Jimmy Manoa. Um, who did he beat? Who did, he, who did he, Dominic Corey Reyes? Anderson, um, Jack Don Reyes, Dominic Reyes. Like, like the he's, he's been. Through I don't know why I mentioned Corey one. Anderson there. That's embarrassing. <laughs> I mentioned <laughs> yeah, Corey yeah. Anderson. <laughs> um, we'll move on. Early prelims starting out the card. Um, Mario Batista is fighting Trevin Jones. Um, was Trevin Jones the one that had that like controversial stoppage with um, what's his name, Valiev? Where like everyone thought Jones had won, and then Valiev turned the tables. I think that was Trevin yeah, Jones. Yeah, um, yeah, you are right. And then Bautista, I don't know much about, to be honest. But that's um, the no contest. The Valiev one's the no contest. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. I think, to be honest, from what I've seen of Bautista, which is not very much, I'll admit, I, I feel like this is getting Trevin Jones back in the win column after that Valiev fight. Um, yeah, yeah. But, although I don't know, it's kind of like it's a pick'em, isn't it? Because an eight-one record kind of suggests that the UFC are trying to build a prospect here, so. And, and Trevor Jones is a bit of a name. So it depends, kind of like, I don't know, it'd be, it'd be interesting. I mean, again, like Curtain Razor, that's a ridiculous fight. Like, that, that that's really fun. Yeah, and then we've got um, Euros Medic, who I don't know if I just said that right, but uh, he's coming <laughs> we'll off an fine. insanely good performance on uh, Dana White Contender Series. I think everyone was impressed by that against uh, Alan Cruz, who also was on Contender Series and won with a ridiculous flying knee. Um, but then since then has lost to Spike Carlisle who's since been cut by the UFC so that's not a good sign when you lose to a guy who's getting cut yeah Spark, uh, Spark, Spike Carlisle didn't look, exactly look great so yeah Again, I feel I like Spike like... Carlisle could and this is going to sound absolutely insane <laughs> Where is this hot take I feel going? <laughs> like Spike Carlisle though could be anyone if, they, if he just catches them off guard like obviously Cruz and his corner should have known what to expect but I feel like if they maybe hadn't done enough you know, exact research, research on exactly yeah. what Carlisle was going to do. And then he kind of came out and took him by surprise. Like, Spike Carlisle, if you had never fought 
or seen Spike Carlisle fight and you went out there to fight like a technical fight and you had this brilliant game plan and then Spike Carlisle just comes and Spike Carlisle's you, like it, it could probably happen to anyone is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean... So like I feel like I can forgive him that loss. Yeah, but again, I say I, uh, 6-9 versus 8-3, you kind of, you, you lean towards um, Euros just because I probably butchered. I'm, I'm going to give up with half these names because they're so unpronounceable for an Englishman. Um, but I'm going to go with that. Like I think, I think they're just kind of they're setting it up nicely. I think to make a bit of a statement. Yeah, I mean, we, we spoke about it a little bit before we started the pod. Um, his record is a little bit padded up by an Alaskan promotion. That's like half of his <laughs> fights, I think. But um, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. And the Alaskan MMA scene is absolutely lit. Um, Lavinia Souza is fighting Amanda Limos. Um, that's another fun fight. Two two girls that are pretty much um, not like contenders, but kind of just on that cusp, just below that. Who, is, of, who does Souza fight for? Um, Souza for um, Ashley Yoda and one. Yes, that was. And um, I think they both have beaten Miranda Granger. No surprise there. Um, and yeah so Limos is 8-1 and and Souza is 14-2 and so again it's kind of what we said with the previous two fights where you got two that you know have the potential here to kind of kickstart a little bit of a run and have really good records and and not many losses on on there so um, you know as far as early prelims go doesn't get much better than that Um, Sean Brady if we're talking about prospects that the UFC are trying to build Here's one that you actually are trying to build. Paul Felder absolutely fucking loves this guy. I don't know if you watched his last fight, but the, Paul Felder was on broadcast. And I feel like he shouldn't have even been allowed to commentate this fight because he, he obviously trains with Brady and he was yeah, so biased. Yeah. It was kind of cute how biased he was, but I feel like it, he was just in love with Brady for as long as that fight lasted. And um, he subbed, um, was it, is it Christian Aguilera? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, um, don't don't get confused with Christina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he'd probably sub her too, to be fair. But oh uh, he's fighting Jake Matthews, who is also oh a killer. <laughs> <laughs> he's fighting Jake Matthews, who's also a killer, and just beat the legend Diego Sanchez. Yeah, again, for me this is a bit of a pick'em. <laughs> like I think Jake, my Jake Matthews has kind of got a lot of hype on the Aussie scene, so. That's probably a little overlooked, to be honest. Yeah, it's sleeper, isn't it? Like, I mean, that's trouble, right? With this entire card, there's so many fights that you're looking at, thinking that's fight of the night, that's fight of the night. Like, Dana's gonna have to break out the checkbook, I think. He'll probably just do what he does every time, every time recently, and just give out four performance bonuses. Fight of the nights cost double. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed he's not he's not going to fight of the night for several weeks now? Um, and it's the same for this card. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. He's just going to give it all every single fight. And then here's a here's a name. We're talking about names that us Englishmen are going to butcher. Um, Kennedy Nzechukwu. Couldn't have done any worse that. Second time. Couldn't have done any worse that. That's fine. Nzechukwu. Nzechukwu. We just call him Kennedy. Big old Ken. Big Ken. <laughs> it's getting worse each time I try it. Um, against we're talking about hype trains. Castleberry. He's only three and zero, and he's fighting on USC two fifty nine. One of the biggest cards we've ever seen. Yeah. Well, CKB in it. CK boy, CKB boys represent Mr. Marvelous, may I add. Carlos, Mr. Marvelous Ulberg. You can't get a better nickname than that. Like The dude yeah. is marvelous, not going to lie. Yeah, um, <laughs> jealousy courses through my veins that he's been gifted with such great um, genes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, but it's, it's kind of crazy because if you look at his like cur- like career, he played like, yeah, he fought on King of the Door, like debuted in 2011. That was his first pro fight. It takes, it takes him like nine years to get to the UFC. It's a bit mad, isn't it? Like, 
but I, I think he's been doing quite a lot of kickboxing over at, at CKB. So they're clearly really on high, really high on him. Like Izzy has gone out there on record and said that he thinks he's like the future of like heavyweight division. So <laughs> you can't disagree with the champ. You got you you got to back him. And also, if you look at like his career in general, he's played rugby league since he was a kid. Rugby league over in New Zealand or, or um, Australasia or Oceania, whatever you want to call it. For for Americans out there, that's that's like I don't think I've ever heard anyone say Australasia before. What the <laughs> oh, fuck well, is that? <laughs> Australasia is the continent, isn't it? or Oceania? They're both the continent. I thought it was Oceania. I thought that's it. I think I think you can go with both, if I remember GCSE geography. But uh, just going back to Uberg, like he's played rugby league since he was a kid. For the for the uneducated out there, that's like playing NFL but without pads. Like you got to be hard as balls to to do that. Um, and he played at semi-pro. So, and if you if you think about the the guy, the last guy who played at semi-pro over in, um, oh, you're not going to talk about Volkanovski being five hundred pounds. I am. Tons, I'm going on a Volk. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know he used to weigh six tons? Um, <laughs> obviously, we're gonna we're gonna go with Kennedy, so I don't just keep destroying his name. His uh, his only loss though is against Paul Gray, which we talked about before we started. I mean, seven and one with the only loss being against Paul Gray. That's quite the resume for a guy who's a massive underdog in this fight against a three and zero fighter. Like, I I feel like there's probably it's probably worth a punt on Kennedy here if, you, if you're betting on this fight, but just because. As good as Olberg has looked in the fights we've seen him thus far, he's only had three fights. We don't know. His three fights have come in 2011, 2018, and 2020. Like that's kind of like a really sporadic career. It's it's not consistent. But then, like I'm led to believe that he's done loads of kickboxing and like amateur boxing and stuff. In fact, I think he's he's had a pro box. Yeah, he's had a pro boxing bout already. 2015. Well, I think, you know, it's it's hard to read too much into what teammates say, but Adesanya said that he's like the hardest kicker. That he's ever faced when he when he spars with him, that his kicks like absolutely kill him. And also, just, I like, mean, you have to look at his contender series fight. The guy who was fighting there was no bum either, like, mm-hmm. and he destroyed him. <laughs> Clearly, got one punch power. So for me, again, this is a sleeper. I know, like, big old Ken, big Ken, um, caught a bit of criticism for the Paul Craig defeat, but he's looked pretty solid in the octagon. Just maybe doesn't necessarily have the one punch power, but I could be proven wrong. We'll see. Unzek Ukwu. Right, Smash there we go. It. There we go. <laughs> moving on, we're moving on. <laughs> Tim Elliott is, uh, is back, probably doing dumb Tim Elliott things against Jordan Espinosa. Um, or maybe Jordan Espinosa will do stupid Jordan Espinosa things. Uh, my favourite bet on this entire card is Good this team. fight to end by submission. Um, yeah. You can bet on, it don't, you don't have to pick a side, you can bet on this fight to end by submission one way or the other. Honestly, both these, both these guys are liable to get caught in a stupid guillotine or and whatever's the stupidest submission to get caught in you can think of. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> it's all out of attack, isn't it? Like, Tim Elliott's never in a boring fight, really. So, quite, again, it's another sleeper that I'm really looking forward to. A, a but, well, yeah, Tim Elliott fights are always like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> this always looks like some, like... And this isn't a disrespect to Tim Elliott because he's still an extremely, you know, well-versed, technical decently rounded fighter who's fighting at the highest level and has been for some time but his fights always turn into like two crackheads fighting in a trailer park like it's just just crazy every fight he's ever in um i really enjoyed the fight with brandon roy val even though he he did lose that one and um he's he's back in the win column so um he'll be feeling pretty confident going against espinosa who i feel like might play to elliot's strengths here to be honest yeah i mean you gotta look at his losses right lost match now submission triangle choke lost to alex perez I think it's been, choke. just off the top of my head, so 
you may have to correct me, but it's four of his eight losses are by submission. Is that right? Yeah, four eight. Yeah. 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 Um, I think Elliot's submission is the way I'm leaning here, to be honest. Yeah, I've got to agree. I think experience will play into it. I think experience and also it just seems that his strengths will line up well with what Espinosa has been susceptible to in the Absolutely. past. Absolutely. They've both got the same weakness. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, What's the next one? Moving on to the, the regular prelims. That was the early prelims. I mean, that was just the early prelims. <laughs> that's like that's better than the fight night we just watched. Yeah, exactly. Regular prelims, we got um, Rogerio Bontarine against Kaikara France, another city kickboxing guy who's... Um, Kaikara has just come off the, the loss to Brandon Royval. Hey, if you're Brandon Royval, you're going to be sitting at home watching this card like, beat him, beat him. <laughs> it's going to be pretty enjoyable. Well. Number eight. What's his... He lost to Ray Borg. You know, decision, lost him out. Ironically, on the Anderson Bakovich card. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one for Kaikara France. Like, he's got to stick to the game plan and not um, get clipped and, and lose his head. But I love the kid, man. Like, he's such a nice guy. Really, really hope we kind of get like a, a CKB one, two, three. <laughs> uh, obviously, as an unbiased neutral, I just want a great fight. But. <laughs> Yeah, I don't you know. Are a bit, you are a bit it's of a tough, city kickboxing fanboy. It's a, it's a tough one to pick, though, isn't it? Because you got to look at like the. I'm going Bonterine submission. I'm leaving. Yeah, I mean, you got to look. I'm at grabbing some like submissions this weekend. I'm, I'm going for the submissions. Um, talking of submissions, Askar Askarov is fighting the legend Joseph Benavidez, one of the best fighters to never win a belt. Um, and Askarov, I believe, is a favorite in this fight. Not by much, but he is a favorite. He's twelve and zero. Um, but if you look at Benavidez's record. He's only really lost to the best of the best. He, I mean, he's lost seven times. Two were to Demetrius Johnson. Two were to Davidson Figueredo. Two were to Dominic Cruz. So he's just, and then the seventh one is Sergio Pettis. So he's just basically losing to the best of the best. And then they've got his number and they beat him again. Like, you know, he's got seven losses, but they're kind of a deceptive seven losses. Yeah, I agree. I just think, I don't know. I really rate Askarov. So I'm going to have to lean for a submission here. He's just, he's on an absolute tear. I feel like Benavides has has the defensive wrestling. If anyone's got defensive wrestling in spades to to fight off Askarov, it's probably Benavides. True, but then like, he basically well, it, I thought he dominated Pantoja. You could have said the same. Thing I was going to say about Pantoja as well that going into that fight, I, I was kind of leaning the same logic that I thought Pantoja would be able to keep him off and long enough to land one of his bombs or sink in a a random like guillotine or something. Yeah, I agree. And then the next fight, best name on the UFC roster, Sonia Dong. This is Kyler Phillips. Not quite sure how that is higher than Benavidez Askarov, to be honest. That seems it's a bit a banging weird. fight, to be fair. It I is mean, a banging fight, but like. Don't get doesn't... me started on Song Yudong robbing my boy Cheeto Vera. Um, <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> a big fan of Song Yudong, as you said, one of the best names in the UFC. Get your mind out of the gutter, mate. Um, Kyler Phillips just came off a beautiful second round finish of um, Cameron Else, which obviously isn't much of a big name, but it was an impressive show when he's now 2 0 in the UFC. I, Big leap, I though, think this is, an, this is another sleeper fight. This is another fight that we're all talking about the title fights that we're going to be watching this one like with our jaws on the floor, mind blown by what's happening. Yeah, I completely agree. Stylistically, it's, it's fireworks written all over it, right? Like, <laughs> Kyler Phillips made quite a statement. Song Yudong, I, f- from memory, I don't think he's ever been in a boring fight in the UFC. And I'm, I'm really, I, I've always been really high on Song Yudong, but I, I, I've, I've never quite got the hype, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, as you said, I thought um, Cheeto won that fight, and 
it, there are holes in his game that I think Phillips can exploit, particularly on the feet. Like if if he plays it smart and. And a, a big finish for either one of these guys is, would be so huge for their careers as well. Because yeah, definitely. You know, Song's a decent name if um, if Phillips can win this is, and, and win emphatically and excitingly. It's a pretty decent and name to put on your resume as, card, a, as a young steal, fighter. Yeah, to steal the show on an easy card, like. And then wow. likewise, if Song Yudong goes out there and you know kills a young prospect who we're all super high on, and you know does it in in fashion, in, in impressive fashion, then you know he's coming off wins against Cheeto and Kyle Phillips and, and looking up the division. Yeah, I completely agree, mate. Completely agree. And the next fight, wait, this uh, honestly, what is happening? Like, we just call this episode. Why the fuck is this not on the main card? Yeah. <laughs> this whole card is just a main card. Dominic Cruz is fighting on the prelims. What is happening? Um, I have to say, Dominic Cruz being an underdog in this fight is really strange to me. Um, I thought yeah, he's getting I... lost to Nathaniel Wood. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I completely agree. I completely agree. Got to back the Brit. And that's not that's not me being British bias. I, I no no I, I remember I agree. to be honest, but I, thought, I think I had money on Kenny, and I still at the end of the fight was like, eh, that's not the right decision. Yeah, I agree. I thought I thought would won won the fight, and I I think Kenny may be a bit out of his depth. That's exactly because the drop off from Cejudo to Kenny, and this is no disrespect to Casey Kenny because we're talking about Henry Cejudo here, but that's a huge. I mean, that's one of the bigger drop offs I've seen, and I think Cruz has talked this week about, um, you know putting aside his ego and, and that not being an issue, you know, where he just wants to get back in the win column, get back in there, show what he can do, which, you know, hats off to him, all respect to him. That's, that's really good. But I mean, I, I do I'd feel argue... like this is too much of a drop where it's like, what, what are we doing here? And I'd argue the fact that Casey Kenny's a favorite is mind blowing. As I've just said, I, I would argue he is the greatest bantamweight of all time. Um, I, I think it's like Cruz's footwork is arguably on his, on his day, one of the best in the, uh, in the UFC but has he still got it I thought he looked old against Zahudo it wasn't necessarily a fact he had the wrong game plan but the leg kicks really hurt him Kenny's got good leg kicks and well he, a he, good bit of news going into this actually you mentioned the Zahudo fight and again Dominic Cruz has requ- requested um, to the NCAC that Keith Peterson does not referee this match <laughs> <laughs> I saw the best tweet I've seen on, on this entire card was someone replied to that that news and said well that's okay Keith will be on a cigarette break during, during the feature prelim <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously ridiculous excuse. I mean we talked about ridiculous excuses earlier with um, Paolo Costa saying uh, he was he was drunk in the Izzy fight the referee being drunk is a pretty good one as well yeah it was a bit far-fetched one in the cruisy um I think yeah, I don't know. I just, I I worry for I I think for me this I don't want to forget the Cruz of old. Like that's the trouble. Like well, he's someone be... Cruz is the guy that always says ring rust is not a thing. It's just mental. Yeah, and but to me he did look really old against Sudo. It wasn't necessarily Sudo's game plan, but like but is that just Sudo being that good? No, I don't think so. Because I think I think like vintage Cruz would have wiped the floor with Sudo. Like. Look what he did to Demetrius Johnson, who beat Cejudo, in my opinion, twice. Like, I, th- I don't know. I just, I think he does a lot to. I think, I think Cruz has a lot to lose from losing to Kennedy. Like, I think it will quite damage his reputation and his legacy in the sport if he loses. Which I feel I like both, really sad. both these fights, him and um, Benavidez, who we just talked about, that it, it's both like you look at the names on paper and you're like, oh, the the you know the experience should shine through there, and they you know, could easily win. But then it's how much did those losses to, you know, how much did getting 
need in the face by Cejudo take out of Dominic Cruz? How much did getting actually fucking mauled take get um you know Ben hurt Benavidez in terms of I mean Benavidez more so because he got fucking slaughtered twice badly. Um I think probably I think Cruz has a better chance of the of the two veterans of winning. Um mm, I'd probably I lean I'd probably lean to both of them to be honest, but uh, I can see definitely Askar Askarov is a fucking beast and pretty much dominated Pantoja. So um yeah, I think Cruz is going to pull the upset here. I, I, it sounds ridiculous saying upset, but that's what the odds makers have. What, what world are we living in? <laughs> What's the next one? Oh, t- oh man! On to the main card. Another fight that's being overlooked. <laughs> Tiago Santos against Alexander Rakic. Um, which, by the way, I, I when I typed in Ale- Alexander Rakic on Google, um, Alexander Mitrovic came up. And I realized that what a strange coincidence that the two men I would least like to be locked in a or run into in a dark alley are both Serbians called Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> both killers as well, man. <laughs> I know both of those guys would literally murder you. Yeah, I'm really high on Rakic. I have I have been since like well, since he first joined the UFC, in fact. Like the, what he did to Jimmy Manua, I can't quite forgive ever <laughs> but I'm um, I'm really high on this guy I think sadly Santos is kind of like on a bit of a, a slump like uh, I feel like he's this is make or break for me in terms of Santos being a, a top contender if he loses to Rakic he will slide down that rankings quicker than you can say Geronimo like well he's, he's, he spoke about the, uh, the the Glover loss this week and said that um, going into that fight he had like more anxiety than he's used to having because of the surgeries he's had on his knee after the Jones fight and um, that was why he had, I think he said that was why he had trouble with the grappling or something. And while I understand the, the first part of that comment, that yeah, he's coming off what he tore his ACL, MCL and LCL or something in the Jones fight. So completely understand he would be a little, bit, well, yeah. a little bit anxious coming into that fight with, um, with Teixeira. But to say that that had any impact on, on why the grappling went the way it did, I mean, he's just nowhere near as good a grappler as, as Glover. And as we just saw in Rakish's last fight against Smith, that's a big strength for Rakic now in terms of, you know, he just lay on top of Smith and beat the fuck out of him for 15 minutes. Could you see that happening here, Santos? I probably can. I kind of fancy a knockout, man. I think I think Rakic just has got ridiculous power. And I think he could clip him and put him away. I, I think I think we're going for a bit of a statement here, boys. I think, uh, and girls, I think, I don't know, the, the, the stage is set for Rakic to, stay, to just take his claim as for a title shot, in my opinion. Like he's on the cusp. He just needs a big statement win, and I think Santos has made for him stylistically. He'll walk forward, and he'll get caught. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, I'm gonna side with Santos just because I like him, and he's, he seems like a good dude. Um, I completely split fifty-fifty down the middle on this fight. I just can see it being an absolute war, and I hope it is. Um, another huge prospect we've got Islam Makachev against Drew Dober. Um, obviously, Makachev is a massive favorite with loads of hype behind him, but Dober's coming off three consecutive knockout victories, um, one of which was against Alex Hernandez, who we talked about earlier. And Drew Dober is criminally underrated, as you've just said. Like, as much as the Makachev hype train, I mean, I saw ESPN have put out, like, why Makachev is a future lightweight champion or something like some ridiculous article like that. And I think it's way too early to say that. Like, if you look at who he's fought, he isn't necessarily fought, like, any big name. He pulled out the RDA fight. Like, I don't... Not that he's a paper contender, but I think we can call the breaks on this lightweight tournament. Like he's not there yet. Well, no, his best win is um, Sarukian, who in himself yeah, is, exactly. is is still a prospect. He's not a star yet. 
and you could arguably say that Sarukian gave him a really tough like fight. Like I thought that, that fight was pretty close, personally. Um and yeah, and Adoba is just like he's gone on a tear, man, as you say. Three consecutive knockouts. He's got that Adoba has that death touch power. Like yeah. there's power and then there's the death touch power. Um every division has like a couple guys with that death touch, and Dober is that in the lightweight division. And we've seen Makachev um, get stopped. We've seen him get knocked out. Yeah. So Oof, imagine that. Oh, what, Betty, man, what are those odds? <laughs> Dober's a huge underdog in that fight, one of the biggest underdogs on the card. Um, well, not nothing compared to Megan Anderson underdog uh, odds, oh, but he's, uh, he's one of the biggest underdogs on the card. Um, I got to say one thing about Drew Dober before we move on. I saw someone say that he looks like the Cristiano Ronaldo statue that there was a big fuss about. Remember oh that bronze statue? That... Oh my god! <laughs> and I was god. like, I was like, that's stupid. Don't be ridiculous. That's really disrespectful. Drew Dober's a pretty handsome guy. <laughs> and oh I looked god. it up and put the images side by side, and holy fuck, he does look like it. <laughs> I'm looking at him. That is amazing. <laughs> that's maybe why he's got a good chin. It's fucking made of bronze or whatever the hell that statue's made out of. That is amazing. Like they could literally be twins, the Cristiano Ronaldo statue and Drew Dober. That's nightmare for Filmer. <laughs> Christ. That's that's what Islam's gonna see when he's staring across the octagon, is that Ronaldo <laughs> statue face. <laughs> what have we got next? What have we got? Oh, oh we're on to the title fights. Peter Yan against Aljamain Sterling. Um I've wow. gone back and forth on this fight more than I have on any fight. Like each day I wake up like, no, Jan's going to win. And then I change my mind three more times before I go to bed. Um, you know, it's classic striker versus grappler. Well, I, I feel like this is an unusual case, though, where the small octagon in the apex might actually favor the striker more than it does the grappler. And I say that because um, if you look at um, Jan's one loss, which I can't remember the guy's name. Um, oh, Magomed, what's his name? This week. Yeah, his one loss, he, he, he avenged it and beat the guy. Um, but he avenged it in beating the guy by learning how to defend the takedown, basically. And um, when he's up against the fence, Jan is really good at keeping it standing. He uses the fence really well, you know, gets his feet wide and, and is really good at keeping it standing. If we're out in open space and Aljamain gets him down, then yeah, he's in trouble. But I feel like the smaller octagon could actually help the striker here more than the grab because he's such a pressure striker, you know, he's like on top of you like a rash. And that combined with the fact that he can use the fence to sort of keep himself up if, you know, things kind of do go out of his game plan more into Sterling's, into Sterling's world. I feel like this is a weird situation where we're going to be saying after the fight, oh, wow, the small octagon actually helped the striker more than it did the grappler. And don't forget as well, like Jan's a former ACB champ. For, for those of you who don't really know much about the regional scene, ACB is a massive um, promotion in Russia. And obviously, we all know how good the Russians are at wrestling and the Dagestanis and the Chechnyans and all that kind of stuff. And Jan fought basically a murderous row of those in ACB and he was the champion. So I I, I will agree that I think uh, I've seen a lot of comments saying that, oh, he's got a bit of a pad record in the UFC. And yes, he's fought two veterans on the decline. Like Uriah Faber is no longer the Faber of old. And, and you could say the same about Jose Aldo and John Dodson. Well, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think John Dodson's like free agent, I think. I think he's a free agent. I couldn't tell you right now, to be honest. I'm pretty sure. No, I'm um, pretty sure he's a free agent. And then like Douglas Silver Andrade. Well, he's not done anything of note. Yeah, so. I, Jan's record isn't great. <laughs> it's not amazing. It's not packed with stars. Um, 
But to be honest, Sterling's wins aren't either. His actual record is good, but one of those on there, sorry, not his record, his actual, actual names, if you just read the names, he's got more experience against top guys. But one of those is obviously a devastating loss to Marlon Moraes, who we've seen get killed two times in a row now. Yeah, I agree. Although I, I, the caveat with that is that he, he did a Curtis Blades, right? He got caught. And this is where I think the fight, the fight is, is make or break for Sterling, as you say. Like, he can't shoot needlessly no. against Jan because Jan will put him away. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, the problem I mean, I is though, I don't, I don't think he can, I don't think he can last in the striking enough to not shoot needlessly, like not shoot aimlessly. And but, um, but, I actually saw a stat that Sterling has the, and I hope this is right because I've just remembered it and not actually written it down. But I think I saw that Sterling has the most strikes landed in UFC history without scoring a knockdown. Like, if anything tells you how his, I mean, his striking's serviceable. That's the best thing you could say about it. And this is coming from, a, you know, I like Aljamain Sterling. I'm a big fan of Sterling. And, you know, I won a lot of money on him submitting Corey Sanhagen. But I, I just, the more, like I said, I've been flipping back and forth. And more and more in, in that flipping, I'm, I'm leaning more and more towards Jan. Because I think there are more places where Jan is way more dominant than Sterling than vice versa. I think the striking is a massive mismatch, whereas the grappling is like, a quite big mismatch, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, and and don't forget, Jan's trained at uh, Tiger Motai with like Fiziev and um, Brennan Lochnan and all these other guys, like really well-rounded strikers. So, yeah. Although, I, I again, I'm looking at Aljo's record. He's beat Takeya Muzagaki submission, beat Cody Stamen, beat Brett Johns. Beat Renan Burrell, <laughs> the ghost of Renan Burrell, <laughs> um, Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz, and don't forget Pedro Munoz just put on a massive, a great fight against Jimmy Rivera and starched Cody um, Cody Garbrandt. So it's not like it's. Not, I, I think I think the only the, I think uh, you're right. I'm leaning towards Jan, but in my head, I think if if Sterling gets the back of him. I think we could see Jan get submitted because I don't think he's fought the same level of grappling. Like, oh, I think if this goes if this goes to the ground in the middle of the octagon, nowhere near the fence, it's over. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty safe in saying. This, I mean, Matt Sierra, BJJ, like yeah. If Sterling gets this to the ground with like two, three minutes left in a round, especially in those first couple rounds, as they always say, when they're not sweaty and not bloody and there's not you know much much lube down there. Um, <laughs> if, if Sterling gets this down in the inset of the octagon with a couple minutes to work, I honestly think that's it. It's done. That's the fight over. But I just think Jan is so explosive. Like, and there seems to be a bit of a misconception that Jan's the the kind of the, the you know the washed up one and still is the up and coming come to get him. Jan's like twenty eight. For yeah. me, Jan's Jan's the future of this division. And as I say, I flip back and forth. I'm a big Sterling fan, and I do think if it goes on the mat in you know with plenty of time to work, Jan's going to be in trouble. But I have to lean Jan on this. And the fact that the odds are now completely even. Um, Sterling started as an underdog, and he's been bet down to being. It's a completely even pick'em. I think if you can get a champion whose only fight he's avenged, his only loss he's avenged as a pick'em or he even may go to an underdog against a guy who has knockout losses on his record. Like I, I feel like this is a young knockout knockout, not going to lie. Yeah. I can, I can, I'm I convincing can, I can. myself while we talk here. Like, I started I mean, more 50, 50 than I am now. I'm now like 60, 40 Jan's getting a knockout. Yeah. I think the only, the only thing I, w- I would say with a caveat is that he got, he, he got caught with a lazy shoot. Like, 
in the Marlon Mirage fight and after Marlon Mirage um, had put together a pretty decent run. So I don't know, it, that, for me, that's the hardest fight to call. Just I agree. Because they've both got such strengths in, in two completely different areas. And if really... Aldo wins, I'll, I'll be delighted as well. Like I, I, I quite like Jan, actually. He's kind of a funny personality. He was on um, Ariel Hawani today, and he was say, he said some line like, um, Sterling's either going to run or, or shoot. He fights like a mouse. mouse or yeah. something. I was like, what, what mice are you fighting, bro? Um, <laughs> so, like he said, he's a likable guy. Um, but, it, you know, I would be absolutely delighted if Sterling wins. But right now, I'm leaning towards Jan. That may change tomorrow. <laughs> And finally, the uh, hardest card, the hardest fight to pick. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? Megan Anderson flying triangle round one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the easiest fight to pick. This um, has to be if, the biggest mismatch on the card. If there is a path for Megan Anderson to win this fight, what what is it? Because for on me, it's feet. like a fluke up kick or something. Like something like GDR nearly caught Nunes with. I mean, she, in her and Victor days, she did catch someone like coming in with a right hand. She's got a pretty decent right hand. She clearly carries power. That's the only one, I think if they get in the clinch and it's on the fence, I think her her physical size will play to her advantage. Like she had success against Holly Holm and she had success against, um, well, some brief success against Felicia Spencer. So I don't know. It's really hard for me to like go anything other than the champ. Like Amanda Nunes is the greatest of all time, but but we could see. Like I think it's something I was saying. And funny enough, I was saying uh, to Jack Shaw the other day, I was saying how, like, being out of the cage for so like, um, Nunes has been out of the cage for a while, right? She's had a baby. She's got a newborn. Well, not literally had a baby, but I know well, what you mean. No, no, no. <laughs> Nina, Nina Antwerp had, had a baby, baby but um, um, yeah, I know what you mean. She's, she, her so attention kept, has been elsewhere somewhere. Yeah. And she'll be kept up at night, right? Like, a newborn baby is going to scream and it's going to wail unless you put a dummy in its mouth and it's going to spit it out. Blah. Um, has she taken her mind off the game? Has she taken her off the ball? Like, there are so many questions we don't know about Amanda Nunes, and there's equally so many questions we don't know about Megan Anderson because Megan Anderson, frankly, has not fought or not beaten anywhere near the same levels of, of opposition as yeah, Amanda I mean, Nunes. Her two like, wins, I mean, she lost to um, Felicia Spencer, obviously. She who, lost to Holly Holm on her debut. Who Amanda Nunes absolutely murdered. Um, and then since then, her two wins to get her this title fight are um, Zara Fan Dos Santos or something like that. Um, don't, no disrespect, don't even remember her name. Um, and uh, Norma Dumont, which does look a little bit better after Dumont's last performance because she looked really good. But, you know, it's not. And I, again, I, I like Megan Anderson a lot. Um, she streams Warzone, so obviously, big fan here. But I just, I don't, I look at a record, I look at the tape of her past fights. And the, the only way, I, like you say, if she catches her coming in for a takedown or maybe a fluke up kick. That's like the only route to victory I can see. And to be honest, even that, I don't see. Um, it would be probably the biggest upset I can remember ever in the sport. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it is the biggest upset, actually. Like, Odds-wise, yeah. yeah. Or at least in a title fight, for sure, like without a doubt. Yeah, just again, like, I, I, right, just going away from the fight for a second, I, I, I really hope this is the last we see of the featherweight division. I know we've got Fisher Spencer going to ragdoll Danielle Wolf, but we can get to that whenever that fight comes around. But maybe like, that'll be the the reason they get rid of the division is because Spencer murders Danielle Wolf in the octagon. <laughs> <laughs> like they're cleaning her blood up off the off the canvas, and they're like, maybe we should ditch this division. It's just so shallow. It, it, it's so thin. 
I'm not. I'm really not interested in this division at all. Which probably sounds really harsh, but I'm just not at all. Right, main event time. Jan Blahovic, Israel Adesanya, the creepy noose bracelet man versus Naruto guy. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything about anime, so that's the only word I could think of was Naruto. Um, <laughs> Jan yeah. is a pretty big underdog in this fight, but Izzy has kind of thrown a little um, uncertainty in the midst this week, saying that he's going to come in at like 195 or something, I think he said, um, at weigh-ins, which obviously we have yet to see if that's true. We'll find out on Friday, but if that's true, if he comes in, you know, 15, 20 pounds heavier than, than Jan on fight night, I feel like there's a potential here for an upset because, as we've said, smaller octagon. And if there's a 20, 25 pound weight difference, that's fucking huge. Oh, I completely agree. Like, for, for Izzy's sake, I hope he's playing mind games. I think it's bullshit, personally. Yeah. Like, I don't I, think Izzy himself or... Bearman or anyone at City Kickboxing is stupid enough to say, let's go fight fucking Jan Blachowicz of all people. Like the guy who's known for having just ridiculous, you know, sheer strength and power and be 20 pounds lighter than him or whatever he may be. I think it's bullshit, but uh, if it isn't, looking, I have got, serious concerns. To be fair, Izzy looks like he's been on weight as well. Like you got Yeah, if you, the... if you're on his Instagram, he looks like he's bulked up a fair bit. Yeah. I mean, like even when he was doing like pads with Carlos yesterday, like they looked about the same size. So... I don't know how much I want to read into it. That's trouble. Like <laughs> it's one of those. I think um, the perfect scenario for Izzy is he walks in there and two ten is the weight he's been walking around at for the last two months. Or oh, sorry, two or five. What am I saying? Two ten. Two or five is the weight he's been walking around at for the last two months. So or three months or whenever it's been. And um, you know he doesn't need. There's no weight cut there. There's no you know not getting rid of all the water in your body. There's none of that shit. And he's just healthy as can possibly be. If if that's the case, I think it's probably gonna be another Izzy masterclass yeah I mean I, I personally think this will be decided on the feet I, I don't think because I think Izzy's takedown defence kind of gets like shaft him a bit like, I think he's got like 8% takedown oh, defence it's brilliant it's... like you know yeah he's, he's not much of a wrestler or a grappler obviously everyone knows that that's no secret but um, you know we've got guys like Derek Brunson Marvin Vittori have tried to take him down plenty and he's and both I, I would argue Brunson is a miles better wrestler than Jan Although, oh, Brunson right. definitely is. Vittori, maybe, I don't know. But um, Brunson, definitely. And, and Jan isn't known for his takedowns anyway. Like, look at the no. Reyes fight. That was so... And I think if... My concern for Jan would be if he kept if he keeps it on the feet. Like, the longer you keep it on the feet, you're playing into his game. Arguably the best striker in the in the division. Arguably the best striker in the in the, in the entire roster. So, yeah, if, you keep, if you're keeping it on the feet against a, a world-class mixed martial artist, um, kickboxer... Mixed martial artists, like, just what last, like the best we've seen, maybe ever. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I think the stage is set for for Izzy to make a bit of a statement and chase greatness because I have a sneaky suspicion that this is the last we'll see of Izzy in the light heavyweight division. I feel like if he wins this, he'll chase a third title, and by that, I, just, I mean, I think we'll get I, heavyweight. I love the idea, but I don't understand how. Izzy, who's you know, I, I'm quite a lanky guy as well, so I I know I know what it's like to be lanky and, and struggle to put on weight. Um, I kind of get that feeling from Izzy, where how the hell is he going to get up to an appropriate weight where he'd be able to fight a heavyweight John Jones? It just sounds ridiculous to me. Like I feel like it's probably been a struggle for him to get to two hundred five. Yeah, oh, I'd watch it, I'd watch it, <laughs> and I'd pick Izzy as as we've discussed before. But um, that's just because I'm mental and like an underdog, and he would. Who do you reckon is going to win this weekend? Um. 
I, I'm he? going with Adesanya unless unless he comes in at 190 tomorrow or Friday whenever it is. Um, I'm leaning heavily Adesanya. I just think, like we said, his takedown defense is serviceable enough that he'll be able to keep Jan, you know, standing. And when they're standing, it's, I mean, it's amazing power against amazing everything. Like, is he's good at everything on the feet? There's nothing he's not better at Jan at. The only advantage you can maybe give is power. Yeah, uh, but again, is he is, like is he shown? Because he's knocked he... out fucking everyone. So yeah. like, what are we? Yeah. yeah. I mean, while Izzy may not have one punch power, he's got concussive power. He saw that against mm-hmm. Costa, completely discombobulated him. So, and I mean, Bahovic yeah. has been knocked out, I think, multiple times by Santos and who else? Uh... Oh, I'm just looking at his record now. It's way early in his career in 2011, which was a leg injury. So he's been knocked out once, basically, um, but, by, uh, uh, by Tiago Santos. The, the, the Tiago Santos example is perfect because I'd argue that Izzy is a far superior striker. Like, uh, but then you got to look at the people that he's beaten, like Luke Rockhold. He's decent on the feet. Um, Corey Anderson, maybe not so much. De- decent on the feet's a little bit disrespectful to Luke, I think. He's fucking good on the feet. It's just the fact that he has no defense and no chin. But other than that... <laughs> but like Jack Ray, for instance, right? Like, yeah. I think this kind of... For me, this kind of sets the tone. Like Jack Ray is nowhere near is his level. Came up from middleweight. Gave... I mean, to be honest, that fight was so forgettable, but he gave an all right account of himself. I genuinely, I think I fell asleep during that fight. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, like, well, it was a snooze fest, but he he held his own. And I feel like that's the thing. Like, people have been like, oh, is he won't like have the power, like the strength or anything like that. I think you're kind of misunderstanding like the weight imbalance and things like that. Like, is he has trained with Carlos Ulberg, who is well, he's fighting on this car, but he's also really heavy. Like, Ulberg's a pretty big light heavyweight. They've got big light heavyweights, big heavy. He's fought like, um, uh, is it Junior Far? Is that his name? The guy who just fought, um, oh my god, what's his name? Who's the boxer? Jo- uh, Joseph Parker. He just fought Joseph Parker, oh, boxer. Yeah. Heavyweight, heavyweight boxing. Trains with him on the reg. Like they've got, they've clearly got the size at CKB. So, and I, and I, I personally feel that. Berman's one of the like the greatest minds in the game, so I'm sure he's got a game plan worked out. And I don't think Jan's got enough variety in his game to troll Izzy that much. I agree, yeah. And to be honest, siding with Berman and Adesanya has been a pretty faultless strategy thus far. <laughs> yeah. like, Where have they gone wrong? <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't see any reason not to assume. And I mean, he is a heavy favourite for a reason. I don't see any reason not to assume that's going to you know show through and he's just going to dominate. It is um, really hard to write Jan off, though, given what he did to Reyes. Like, everyone was so hot on Dom Reyes and Jan pieced him off and made him look like a fool. So, it's a tough thing. But this, this is what makes UFC so great, man. Like, they, they pitch some matchups that you, you just think on paper are, like, so one-sided and I guess the actual event it goes completely the other direction. So, who knows? We could see, like, a, a huge upset and maybe the easy hype train will be thrilled. Who knows? I, I, personally, I hope not. I, I, I hope it's a, a great fight for both men. I just I hope I hope the spectacle lives because we've had such a stinker last weekend. There's no way this card can't deliver. There we go. I've said it. I've jinxed it. Screw it. <laughs> Definitely jinxed <laughs> it. There's no way this can disappoint. You heard it here first. Um, and I mean, honestly, if the one thing I have to say is, if Adesanya goes out here and destroys a 205 Jan Blahovic, how fucking good is Kelvin Gastelum? <laughs> 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 That's the question we're all going to be asking. How Ooh, good is Kelvin Gastelum? If he does, if he does do that, pound for pound, number one. 
I think probably like you can't put Jones in a conversation at the minute because he's moving around divisions and hasn't fought for a while. And Habib, Habib is retired no matter way. no matter what Dana says. Um, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. we both agree Usman deserves a shout in there considering how dominant he looked recently and that he's quite overlooked. But um, I think yeah, if if Izzy goes in there and you know one one you know one round two rounds maybe knocks him out, it's kind of undis- indisputable. And the best thing about that would be. If he goes in there and destroys him, John Jones's Twitter feed is going to go crazy. <laughs> Just so the the salt coming off that Twitter feed, honestly. <laughs> That's the point. Like, imagine at the end of twenty, like hypothetically speaking, of course, because who knows what's going to happen to praise the MMA gods that it does. But imagine Izzy and John Jones fighting for all three belts at, in like December twenty three. Like that, it's just well, that would be amazing. Like imagine if. By some miracle, Izzy like beats well, Izzy beats Jan and then John beats Francis Stipe or whatever, and then they fight for all three belts. That that would arguably be the biggest UFC. I fight mean, they wouldn't really be fighting for all three belts, but I see what you mean. No, no, no. <laughs> obviously, obviously not. Like, yeah, but it, it, like just the the fact you'd have three titles. Theoretically, you'd have three titles. Or on that alone. Yeah. like I can't think of a bigger fight, and and, and being a triple champ. Like that—that's that's never been done before. So who would have to come back? God, He'd have to come back to cement his legacy. Well, go to featherweight. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like half this tall as everyone. Imagine who would have to be for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Anyway, that's it for us. I think, guys, we've kind of covered everything. I think. Is there anything we missed out? No, I. I mean. That, that's a great way to end the end the uh, end the podcast. You heard it here first. Impossible that this card disappoints. It cannot. <laughs> we, we've either jinxed it or we've, we've done you a madness. Here we go. <laughs> right. We'll see you next week, guys. <laughs>